You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org. The Monday night after Father's Day this year, Annette and I went to dinner with this couple who attends their, our church, uh, and their two adult children, one's in college, one's just out of college. And so when we come to the end of the meal, now it's the Monday night after Father's Day, right? And it's these two people with their two kids. And at the end of the meal, the server comes asking about the check. And I made what I would call a pretty feeble attempt at the check. Um, we've eaten with them before and, and they've never allowed us to pay. And so it was kind of like I felt the need to fight, but I really wasn't fighting to win. Do you know what I mean by that? Um, I didn't think it was a battle I was going to win. And so I, I wasn't giving it all my effort. And, and the server actually got involved in the process. Okay. So, so the, the guy, he's 59. I'm 61. He's two years younger than me. His wife is a little younger than him. She's 53. She's eight years younger than me. They got their two kids. One's in college. One's just out of college. You got the picture. You with me? We're eating together. There's kind of this deal about the bill. The server decides to get involved. It's the day after Father's Day. And the server says to me, are you forgetting what yesterday was? Let them buy. They want to treat you. To which I respond to the server, what are you talking about? And then she just vanishes as if we're not having a conversation. She thinks I'm their parents. Their dad. And I'm just like, are are you kidding me? I look. I mean, there's a lot of days I look in the mirror and think, for 61, it could be worse. I guess not so much though, huh? I mean, I guess it's pretty bad. And so I'm just struggling and struggling. On the way home, I got out my phone and, and I'm, and I'm going to our church software and I'm saying, how old is this guy? And I realized he's only two years younger than me. Now they're fit, you know, and she's only eight years younger than me. And I'm just dying inside. And I'm like, Annette, seriously, look at me and look at them. Do I look old enough to be their father? And you might say, what's going on with all of that? And I would say, well, I, I think there's a little pride there. At least I had a little pride left. I don't know that I've got as much now. But, but pride, and when does pride get out of hand? So in the story today that we're going to talk about, Jesus condemns pride. And so what was Jesus actually condemning? And, and when does pride get over the line? And he also talks about humility in contrast to pride. And so this virtue of humility in a believer's life, what, what does Jesus expect from us in regard to humility? And what does he condemn in regard to pride? So, you know that I love definitions, right? And the reason I love definitions when I preach is because I feel like it puts us on the same page. I may say something and you may have one idea, I may have another. So let's get on the same page together. Let's talk about humility for a minute. A good definition would be a modest opinion of our own importance. So humility would be when a person has a pretty modest opinion of of one's own importance, okay? So we, we talk about it this way. We say, um, that person doesn't think more of themselves than they should. Or, or they don't put themselves above other people. They've got a pretty modest opinion 
of their own importance. You remember the really great C.S. Lewis quote from Mere Christianity? Um, This is what C.S. Lewis says. He says, humility is not thinking of yourself, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's just, it's thinking of yourself less. I think it's pretty strong. So if if you think about humility in the terms of, you know, like a person who puts, you know, way too high, you know, or or a very modest opinion of, of their own importance, pride would be the opposite, right? Pride would be too high of an opinion of one's importance. And so we, we say things like that person is kind of full of themselves. They, they, they think they're way more important than they maybe really are. Or, or that person's arrogant. Or that person thinks they're better than others. That, that person just thinks more of themselves than they should. They have too high of an opinion of their own importance. Right? So think with me for a minute about these ideas this virtue of humility in relationship to God. So how does a person of humility approach God? And, and the opposite, I think, is important to understand too. How does a person of pride approach God? So if, if you're going to pray and you're a person of pride, how does that prayer sound? If you're a person of humility, how does that prayer sound? You understand me? I think pride would say something like this. Um, you know, God, I've done, done a lot for you lately. No, no big deal. Glad to do it. You know, but I have come through in a major way a lot lately. And not to mention that, uh, I've been pretty generous with cash. And over the years that adds up to a lot. Might need to cash in a favor at some point, big guy. Just want you to keep that in mind. Might be coming your way. But I think that's how pride approaches God. I, I think the way a person of humility approaches God is very different. It's, it's a person who sees themselves in need of grace. It would be a person who says, God, that you lend me an ear. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, you let me talk to you. I, I'm not worthy. Just that I could get an audience with you blows my mind. I know who you are. I know who I am. And and I need all the grace you can give me. That, that, that there's a big difference, right? And so I think this makes the question of the hour to be this, okay? What's the question of the hour? I think the question is, how do you see yourself in relation to God? So I think the vast majority of people in the room would say, I think I'm in pretty good shape on that. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, when you compare yourself to God, how do you stack up? When, when you compare yourself to God, how do you measure up? Because I think the vast majority might say, well, if you're talking about me and God, there is no comparison. I don't compare to God. I've never created nothing, I've never created something out of nothing, especially a universe. Right. Uh, I mean, we use words like holy and love and light and life to describe God. I only share in his holiness and his light and his life and his love. Without him, I got nothing. 
I mean, if you want to talk about how I compare to God, I don't think you could compare the two. God is God. And, and I know who I am. And I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. So in this story, we're in this series called Story. It's the last one in this series. We talk about the stories that Jesus tells and what they mean to our lives. And so Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 18, okay? You want to grab your phone or a Bible, feel free to. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 18 and... Um, I'll be in um, verse 14. And so before I give you that, though, let me give you this one alternative quote to humility, okay? This might be a good possible definition. And that is, it's a recognition of oneself in relation to God. I have a very realistic idea of myself. I know who I am. I have a very realistic idea of God. I know who he is. And I understand the gap between the two of us. I know what God is capable of, and I know what I'm capable of. I see God for who he is, and I see myself for who I am. Okay, so let's go to Luke first, chapter 18, verse 9. Okay, Luke 18, verse 9. So, so G- Jesus is teaching this parable, but Luke says, let me just let you in on a secret, okay? He's got a target audience in mind, and here's what he says. To some who were confident in their own righteousness. In other words, I'm confident in all of my good works, how, how well I live my life and, and, and look down on everyone else. Okay. Jesus told this parable. So let me read the sentence without interrupting again to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. So how many of you in the room would say, Rick, I'm confident in my own righteousness and I look down on everyone else. Just raise your hand. Let me see how many we have like that over here. Not, not anybody's going to say that, of course, because You don't even think that about yourself. Even if you're that way, you probably don't think of yourself that way, right? And so what Jesus does is he tells a story. And the reason Jesus tells a story is because we often see ourselves in stories. And so here's the story. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. You may say, I don't remember really what a Pharisee is. Can you help me with that? I don't know if I would recognize a Pharisee if I met one walking down the street. So let me just tell you quickly, a Pharisee was a person who gave their whole life to keeping God's law. When Jesus was on the face of the earth, there were only 600 Pharisees. They were very popular religious men who were respected. They were the heroes of religion. They were at the top of the heap, okay? So one, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. If the Pharisee was at the top of the heap, then the tax collector was at the bottom. They were considered just kind of the scum of the earth. Here's what they were. They were Jewish people who sold their soul to Rome. And they became tax collectors for Rome. And so they were people who were taxing, collecting taxes from their own people. Now, here's what they were known for, extortion. Extortion is when you owe this much taxes, but I'm going to tell you, you owe this much taxes and I'm going to keep the difference in my own pocket for myself. They would line their pockets off the poor people by charging them too much taxes. So people despised tax collectors. So one of them, a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, the Pharisee stood up by himself and he prayed. He's in the temple, right? Here's the prayer. God, I thank you so far. So good. But then it goes downhill. That I am not like other people. What kind of other people? 
Well, like robbers or evildoers or adulterers or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. So that was his prayer. Can you imagine getting up tomorrow morning and just say, God, I just want to thank you for me. You know. God, let me remind you how great I am. And how much better I am than some other people. That's that's really the prayer. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He couldn't come close. He would not even look up to heaven. He couldn't raise his head. He beat his breast. And he said, God, would you have mercy on me? I'm a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the key. You ready? Can you read it with me out loud? For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So I think you and I understand and know what it's like uh, to live in a world where a lot of comparisons are made, right? Um, It happens all the time, every day. So let me give you some examples. Like, have you ever been to the to the Smoky Mountains? Raise your hand. You ever been to the Smoky Mountains? Okay, put your hand. You ever been to the to the uh, Rocky Mountains? Raise your hand. Okay, put those hands down. You ever been to the Andes Mountains? Raise your hand. So you think about mountain ranges in the world. And Swiss Alps, I bet a couple of people have been to the Swiss, okay? So, you, you, you compare the two. Well, you know, the, 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 the Smoky Mountains, it's very dense and lots of greenery and Rocky Mountains are very, you just compare all the time. So, let me do one that's even a little more fun. Um, what a burger to In and Out. In and Out, anybody for what a burger in the room? How about, uh, how about an Android to an iPhone? Yeah, I thought you'd get involved eventually here. My, my daughter, she has, Brittany, she has an Android. I'm like, just get an iPhone. Just end this thing, would you? We, we can't even FaceTime. It's always video chatting over Messenger and that kind of thing. Uh, especially in sports, I think about, what about uh, Texas to Oklahoma? Yeah, I know where you're at there. Got a few Texas fans in the room. This one's very close to my heart, and I love sharing it with you, and and um, and I prayed about it and felt like I should share it. Um, I like Brahms, but I love Blue Bell ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. A lot of people with me there. Uh, what about this? Um, Chipotle to Qdoba. Yeah, and you're always comparing. This is what I like about the other. Here, this is a great one. You ready for this? Lean in, okay? Yourself to others. Yeah, see, we do that all the time, don't we? We're comparing ourselves. We're always looking at other people and kind of comparing, how do I measure up in light of that person? Or sometimes when pride gets in the way, we say, how am I better than that person? Or sometimes we say, I am better than that person. Do you compare yourself to others? Is there anybody in the room who would say, I don't compare myself to others as much as others do? (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, you just did. 
And so when you think about the Pharisee and the Pharisee comes to pray, he begins his prayer, you know, in a pretty good place, but it goes south. So if you ask me, Rick, are you good at golf? I play golf a lot, as much as I can. Love to play golf. And if you said, are you good? I would say, well, compared to who? It's relative, right? If you want to compare me to a person who is a beginner and has very little athletic ability, I think I would say I'm pretty good. In fact, sometimes I play with beginners and they say, you're pretty good. And I go, pretty good. (laughs) But if you compare me to somebody who shoots in the mid to low 70s every time they play, I'm not very good. And that's where the Pharisee goes. He starts with a prayer saying, I thank God. You think that he's going to say, God, I thank you for all you've done for me, right? I mean, when we pray and we begin to say, God, I thank you. Isn't that kind of where it goes? God, thank you for the blessings in my life. God, thank you for being you. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you. But that's not where he goes. He says, God, thank you for me. Wow. It's exaggerated. It's hyperbole. It's intended to make you go, what? So do that. What? See? And then he makes a list. I think I'm not like other people. I'm sure not like the people who rob others. I'm not like evildoers. And he's comparing. I'm not like adulterers. I don't do that. And I'm sure not anything like this poor slice of humanity behind me called the tax collector. I wouldn't do what he does. No, let me point out my good qualities. God, I fast twice. I give a tenth of everything I get. I just want to thank you for me. I brought a picture of a sport that I'm not very familiar with. It's called the high jump. If, if I participated, we would have to change the name of the sport. Because I can't jump high. Uh, the mark here is um, just about seven and a half feet. Do you know what the world record is for a high jump? Uh, I looked it up. It's, it's just over eight feet. Can you imagine looking at an eight feet wall in front of you? A wall that's eight feet high. And just backing up and running and just jumping over it. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? But that's what people like this guy can do. If I was going to do the high jump today, they would have to lower the bar a lot because I couldn't jump over it unless they lowered the bar a lot. You with me? And that's what the Pharisee said. He said, compare myself to God. (laughs) Recognize who I am in light of God. That bar is too high. There is no way I'm going to do that. I, I have no interest in recognizing myself in relation to God. That's not, I, I don't even want to go there. I, I want to lower the bar. In fact, I don't want to just lower the bar to taking it off God to taking it to others. I want to go, let me qualify which others. I want to lower the bar to sinners. God I mean, think about how much better I am than robbers. Think about how much better I am than evildoers, than people who commit adultery, than tax collectors. 
I mean, if you lower the bar low enough, you can begin to feel pretty good about yourself, right? You can get puffed up. Look at me. I'm not so bad after. In fact, I look pretty good right now in light of these other people I'm mentioning. And if you're willing to just keep lowering the bar, you can get to a place that you feel pretty comfortable about your sin. Just lower the bar. That's what he does. Compare myself to God? No way. Compare myself to others? Which others? Sinners? Okay. I'll go with that one. Because I can feel pretty good. About myself if I do that. Here's what I'm trying to say. Instead of viewing ourselves in relation to God. We prefer viewing ourselves in relation to others. Others that we see as lower than ourselves. Yeah. There's a guy named Dennis Kinlaw. He was a great preacher. A great theologian. In the Wesleyan tradition. And he said one of the best illustrations I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Brixton, it's your Gracie. It doesn't matter to me. Whichever one of you want to come up. Just send one of you. Okay? I know I didn't ask you in advance, but that's just the way it works. And there's nothing much you can do about it. You kind of have to just go with it. And so he said the guy takes a glass of water, Brixton, the preacher that was doing this illustration. He takes a glass of water in his hand. And uh, and he says to the person that he brings up, he said, I want you to jostle my, jostle my arm pretty good. Okay? Um, that's not really pretty good. I know you're struggling. I am too. But yeah, no, no, really give it a good jerk or two. Yeah. Okay. What happened? Spilt. It spilled the water out. Yes, and so he said, the preacher asked the guy that came up to the system, um, why did the water come out? Because I moved your arm. And Brixton says the same thing that the person said in the story, because I moved your arm. But the preacher presses him and says, nope, that's not the right answer. I want to push you again. Why did the water come out? And so finally, the preacher gives the answer. And he says, it's because there was water in the glass. Thanks, Bricks. Give Bricks a hand, will you? And so when we're jostled in life, the only things that can come out is what's in there. As a teenager sitting at the supper table one night, my sister said a cuss word in my house. Very conservative family. The place went dead quiet. There's six at our table, four kids. I did not know what was going to happen next. And my sister blushed, put her hand over her lips, and says to my mom, it just slipped. And my mother, with a very disappointed voice, said to my sister, it couldn't have come out if it hadn't been in there. What's the tax collector doing at the temple? I think his life was jostled. Why would he show up at the temple anyway? And something comes out. And it's humility. What comes out of the Pharisee? Pride. 
But why does pride come out? Because that's what's in there. Why did humility come out? Because that's what's in there. We get jostled. And the only thing that can come out is what's in there. So I want you to look again at the posture of the Pharisee. Does he come up to the altar? No way. He stands in the back. He can't even look up. His head's down. This is shame. This is guilt. This is I know who I am. As I stand before you, God. He beats his breast. This is remorse. And he prays for mercy. God, would you have mercy on me? I am a sinner. Think about the obvious contrast between the two prayers. Do you know this verse in uh, James chapter 4? It says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I, 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 I don't want to say something that just is thrown out as a dagger, but... We all know about prevenient grace, that God reaches all of us with grace, but there's only so much grace that will reach the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. God has said, there's only so much I can do for you. I can't work with you. But I can work with the humble. And, and so in all of this, there's this, there's this really, really good news. And there's this, what do we do with this stuff that we've heard today? And, and here's the good news and here's what we do. We must trust in God's grace and not our own merit. Here, let, let me share the gospel with you. Jesus comes. God sends his only son into the world. He's full of love and grace. He dies on a cross. He takes our sin upon himself. And he says to us, it's not about measuring up to anybody else or to God. You'll never measure up. You're never going to stack up against this. It's about viewing yourself correctly in relation to God. It's about seeing who he is and seeing who you are. And realizing your deep need for God's loving grace. And so I'm going to pray for you. And then I want you to listen to a song. And I think that song is going to help us understand even better. Because I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And how the power of the Holy Spirit works when we're together like this. And I believe God's going to speak to us. And I believe that we're going to walk out of the room. With a correct view of who we are. And who God is. So Father I pray. In the strong name of Jesus, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, even, even as you have been speaking through your word to this point, that you will speak now through this song. And would you work in my heart and in the hearts of others in this room, that we could just come to a place of truly seeing ourselves for who we are, but for seeing you, God, for who you are. Help us view ourselves in relation to you. And to recognize in that our need for grace. 
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Altars, without needing to say it, maybe are always open and it's always appropriate to pray. Listen to the words.
we've humbled ourselves before you. To come into your presence is truly an honor and a blessing. We thank you for that. For allowing us to be able to bow before you. To give you all the praise, but also to hear from your word. To hear directly from you. We have been blessed by your presence today. And as we leave this place, may we be reminded that in all things that we do, that we would depend wholly upon you. We thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for coming. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.